0: Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. The date is August 5th, 2020. It's questions from the audience. Timothy Michael McKernan, Gangster Pete with you on the program. We are fresh off the uh, election in the uh, St. Louis area last night. And a number of our questions have to do with it. Gangster Pete, I'm fresh off of uh, Wisdom Teeth. Removal surgery on Monday was supposed to be out a few days wound up feeling okay. And, um, wanted to make sure I came into the radio show and then also therefore the podcast, because I wanted to discuss it. I wanted to discuss it on the radio show and I wanted to discuss it on the podcast, uh, your reaction to the results last evening, gangster Pete.
1: I'm bummed, man. I was really pulling for Mark. I'd heard some good things before the election about inside polls and uh, really disappointed once it got going. I saw the absentee bounce, c- bounce coming in. And there I was, was a big like,
0: discrepancy there with Paige leading heavily uh, once those absentee results came
1: in. Yeah, so I was like, this isn't looking good. It's just more of the same. and it's just super disappointing.
0: Uh, a number of our emails slash questions today have to do with it. We, uh, we may have broken a record uh, with emails uh, today. Uh, and so I will just start reading because they're all recent and were sent in while I was doing the radio show. So there has been zero filter at all today. Hey, Tim, from this MQP 92, is that Mary Queen of Peace? I believe that's... so. (laughs) I have no idea. Grade school. I respect that. St. Gabriel, class of 90. St. Louis U High, 96. J School, 2000 grad who lived his first half of his life in St. Louis and the second half thus far in Chicago... It's sad to see Mark Manavani lose from an insider slash outsider perspective. It's disappointing to see obvious and avoidable mistakes. The city keeps making as a marketing professional who has worked in my home office since early March. I believe St. Louis now has an open door to attract professional Gen X slash millennial parents slash families who are able to work remotely back to the city based on education, cost of living, healthcare, and some amenities. But there needs to be a collective push from within. It's not going to come from the government, and it's not going to come from the baby boomer generation who wants St. Louis frozen in carbonite in the 1980s with Whitey Ball, AB, the VP Fair, and the Zoo. Joe Edwards did his best, but a semi-functional streetcar is not enough to move the region to a more interesting and progressive place to live. Do you think successful St. Louisans in the 35- to 50-year age range are doing enough— to help move the city forward. Are there specific individuals you have seen that are looking to lead the charge? Thanks so much. Please know how much I love this stupid show. (laughs) It's been a great distraction in these times of distress. Pete should seriously start filming Iggy to make a documentary about this unique character. It would work in the same way the documentary The Mayor of Sunset Strip worked. Check it out. Regards, that's from Sean Callahan. Uh, A lot of stuff in there. Um, I think that, I think a lot of people, Pete, who listen to this podcast would fall into that category, not like 50% or anything like that, but maybe five to 10% who are connected to St. Louis through the podcast or through TMA, but they don't live here anymore. Um, so with regard to what was kind of a a statement of opinion early on from an insider slash outsider perspective, it's disappointing to see obvious and avoidable mistakes the city keeps making as a marketing professional has worked in my home office since early March. I believe St. Louis now has an open door to attract professional Gen X slash millennial parents and families who are able to work remotely back to the city based on education, cost of living, health care, and some amenities. That to me is like the headline and, yeah. I, and, it, and it's a, it's a good way to summarize it. What, what I believe always was the case, not always in the last five years or so was the case, I E working remotely, um, but it was kind of almost dogmatic in the sense that, no, you got to come into the office just because that's the way it's always been, at least since the, you know, uh, boom of the 20th century that now people realize that that's not necessary. Um, so for example, bringing it close to home, when I would do the show from Florida, it's like, Oh, well you're on vacation doing no, I'm doing the same exact thing. I'm just not in St. Louis. um, so I would tell you that the vast majority of broadcasters could do their show remotely as you are now seeing. So I think that is one thing, but that's a sliver of what we're talking about as a whole. It's something that I th- for like from a sales staff standpoint, I'll apply it to media, but a different department from a sales staff standpoint. Um, if you have a great sales staff, at least in our business. You don't want the people sitting in their office. You want them out on calls. You want them out hosting clients at lunches or happy hours or ball games or hockey games or golf or whatever the case might be. However you entertain, if they're sitting there, they're not selling. In our world, I realize that's not applicable because many people make sales these days, of course, without ever leaving the cubicle. I get that. Or the office. So you look at that from a long-term standpoint with regard to commercial real estate. But bigger picture than that, what you're referring to, Sean, is people going, God, I don't necessarily need to live in New York or Chicago or LA or Denver or Dallas or Miami or Atlanta or what, take your pick of wherever the cost of living is much higher. And I can be close to my family, but still work for the company I'm working for in New York, Chicago, LA, Miami, Dallas, Denver, Atlanta, whatever. And on top of it, the cost of living with all of those cities versus St. Louis is at least 1.5X, most cases, much more than that. And so your statement, so I'm kind of going long word here, uh, explaining what you're saying, I believe what you're saying, is that people are going to have the opportunity to go, God, I can still work for the same place I've worked for, but I felt like I had to live in Chicago. And now I can still work for that company, but do it from St. Louis. There is going to be an opportunity. And I have said before the pandemic, when this remote workplace awakening has taken place by default, by out of necessity, uh, that St. Louis is primed. But the thing that I feel like continues to be the case is a lack of leadership, particularly a lack of economic leadership. And that is why one of the reasons I shouldn't say it's the only reason why I was a big advocate of Mark Montevani. Now I had some friends who were Democrats who said, well, he's not really a Republican." or excuse me, he's not really a Democrat. He's a Republican. I'm like, I, I I don't, who cares? I mean, for me, I say, who cares? Now, if you're a hardcore party, then that matters to you. Um, if you really believe that, I don't know, I would vote for a Republican. I would vote for a Democrat. I don't care. My read is the person, the person and who I believe is going to act in the best interest of the greater good. And Mark made it clear that he had zero interest in using the County Executive to build a political career. It's not he's not an old man, but from his own words, I think on this podcast, Petey said, "Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm in. I think he's in his mid sixties. I don't even know right. what he is. I'm not gonna. I'm, I, this is the only office I'll ever run for. It's the only I'm, one he wanted. It's the only one he wanted.
1: Yeah, no, no political aspirations beyond it.
0: You may be a fa- take your pick. of I think I'd be, I think I'd be tending to both parties and pissing off everybody, which I guess <laughs> when it's all said and done, is doing quality hosting with these political religious uh, d- discussions of 2020." Uh, Josh Hawley. He was attorney general, like, I think for a half, half an hour. And then he announced that he was running for U S Senate. Right. Nicole Galloway going to be running against Parson here in uh, November Won last night, basically unopposed, even though there were a few people running against her, but you know, she won handily. Uh, she was auditor for a half an hour. So uh, th- 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 those are, and that's fine. Listen, th- th- listen, I mean, that's, that's part of the deal in politics. You, you don't just show up and win the white house in most cases. Uh, Mark, Mark said his, Mark does not need to have a job in politics to make money. Mark has made money. Mark doesn't say that. I can tell you that's the case. And I'm sure many of you are already aware of that. This is somebody who wants to utilize his knowledge, which uh, a part, part, part of which was spent studying other areas, on regrowing st louis it's just it was i believe an altruistic plan studied at harvard yeah a fellowship at harvard on urban development redevelopment and i just i just i described you know hank haney wrote that book on tiger woods called the big miss and i feel like last night was a big miss and again i want to make this clear i said this on the radio but i can't just assume everybody listens to every word i say both on the radio and the podcast this is not anti-Sam Page. This is it's not. It's it's pro-Mark Montavani. Oftentimes, I'll be doing it again in November. I did it in November of 2016. Uh, you're voting against somebody. In this case, I was voting for Mark and felt very strongly about it. And as I said on the radio this morning, and as I often say, I know people didn't listen to the radio show, so I'll revisit, is it wound up playing out? I got to know Mark quite a bit over the last 10 months. And this is kind of the thing that I've circumvented when we would be in here talking about him, Pete, because you were aware of it, that Mark was part right. of the ownership group for whatever we wind up pursuing or we're going to pursue, whatever the case might be with regard to a media entity. And, and Mark and I started talking about it in November of 2019. And at that time, he was not sure. And I think I actually said, I would bet against, this was after he came in, I would bet against that he's going to run. That's That was my read too. Yeah, we both were off But he did always say, listen, if I do decide to run, I'm not going to be able to be part of the group because I don't want any optics that would make it look like I'm trying to get an unfair edge. I want to really try to win this thing. And I go, I get it. You know, I mean, so, but, but even throughout the process, when we'd have these conference calls, not conference calls, but I mean, there'd be, there'd be calls of the investment group calls of advisors and, and. Even after Mark decided to run, he would still be on it. He'd still be advising me. We'd still be communicating. Um, and it was just so clear. And this is by no means a shot because the, the, the group of people involved in this thing are, you know, I, trust me, I am I am last in the class. And it's not even a debate. Everybody knows I'm last in the class. It's, it's you know, it's just like, oh, this is the necessary evil. We have this moron in the group. <laughs> but it, the, cl- the, the point being, the class is sharp. The class is full of experience both in business and or media. Uh, And all successful. And even then, Mark would stand out even when he would, would already said he's not going to be able to be part of the group because he's running. And he would just give us his his opinions, which was great because he had no skin in the game at that point. And you're just like, wow, I mean, what a just sophistication and sees things that others don't see. And when he would talk, everybody, and again, this isn't like a group of my buddies who did blow around a table and said, boy, it'd be fun to own something. You know, these are sophisticated, accomplished people uh, in both business and or media. And when Mark would speak, people would listen. It's the old EF Hutton commercial. And I'm like, man, St. Louis as a whole, as a region, has an opportunity for this man to lead at economic redevelopment. And we just missed and I, and I'm and I'm sitting here and I'm trying to figure out how slash why. and I guess Pete, in doing the show the radio show this morning, two things I'm starting to get I'm not angry about either one of them yep. that I'm that I feel like I'm learning one is union. Uh, he just does not have the support of many who are involved in unions and or a percent which I thought was the reason why he lost in 2018 because you had right to work on there and I'm like, oh well, you're gonna lose. Uh, and, uh, and secondarily, and I know this might sound however it might sound, but people go, oh, well, we're in a pandemic and Sam Page is a doctor, so I'm going to vote for the doctor, which is that (laughs) now, (laughs) uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's really, Unfortunate, And I had, you know, I have a friend and this person is not one of those where I'm like, oh, maybe I'll say this person is not to be named. And I don't even know if most people would even know he is, but I respect him a great deal. Very sharp person. Um, and he's one of the people he goes, ah, well, I mean, he's not really a Democrat. I go, I go, OK, fine. I mean, I, and, 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 and I think you were in here when I had the conversation with Mark about that part of it. So yeah. I would tell you that that is certainly not accurate. At the very least in 2020, that's not accurate. That's an inaccurate statement. But whatever. Uh, For what the Republican Party is at this particular moment in history, at this particular moment in history might not be that way in a few months. But at this particular moment in history, I assure you, Mark Monavani is uh, not a Republican. But with that all said, you knew he was going to get a lot of Republican crossover vote. So some people are like, oh, Jake Zimmerman took away from Monavani. And that might be the case. But that would insinuate that a lot of their votes were anti-Sam Page. And I just don't know how big of a percentage that was. Because if you look at the political spectrum, I think everyone, I think everyone would agree that if you have the spectrum, Zimmerman's on the furthest left, uh, Page is in between Zimmerman and Manavani, and Manavani is on the, the furthest right. Not to say that he's on the right, but of the three, and you have the spectrum, that's where he would be. So I don't necessarily know if you had somebody who was like, oh, I was going to vote for Zimmerman, but I'm going to vote for Monavani, or I was going to vote for Monavani, but I'm going to vote for Zimmerman. I think you probably had more people who were like, oh, I was going to vote for Page, but I'm disappointed with the way things have been handled. So I'm going to vote for Zimmerman because I believe he's a real progressive or I'm disappointed in Page and I'm not a a Democrat, but I'll take a Democratic ballot in August because there really is no Republican race I feel obligated to vote for. And I will therefore vote for Monavani. That's what I think you had happen yesterday but either way this is unlike the one in 2018 pete where stanger won by a few hundred votes this was
1: overwhelming this was a substantial win for sam page yeah i think it would have been a lot closer without zimmerman in the race though because i think a lot of people I, well, I, I agree, with, I agree with that
0: i agree with that i agree with that but i don't know if it if it would have mattered enough for him to overcome what essentially was an eight plus point percentage defeat right that's that's that's, that's substantial uh, so I'm I'm just I'm I, I I'm I'm disappointed and I'm surprised. And again, that's not that's not this isn't a Trump Greitens type of thing on the morning after November um, whatever it was in 2016. You know, um, where you know I was like, oh my god. But it's not like I'm like, oh I love Chris Coster. Oh I love Hillary Clinton. I was like, oh my god, Donald Trump. Oh my god, Eric Greitens. That's what I was like. Uh, on this one, I don't feel that way about Sam Page at all, so I want to emphasize that. But I didn't feel as strongly pro-Hillary Clinton or Chris Coster as I do Mark Montevani. Um, And so it's just, it's really, it. it I don't know, man. It, it takes me aback, not in a, what don't you people understand, as to, wow, we we missed an opportunity here in St. Louis last night. That's what I feel like. I that agree. That makes with, me sad.
1: I agree with all that. And regarding the email, I mean, I've, I've heard Montevani specifically talk about recruiting people to work here, uh, all the positives with the with the cost of living and the good amenities and all that stuff and how we just haven't had leadership that would go after those people and how that was the main thing that he wanted to do. And it's just so frustrating that there's so many people that can't see that that's a big deal. Um, you are welcome anytime to send questions in
0: or thoughts. I mean, listen, I call it questions from the audience because that's initially what it was. We were just kind of bullshitting me, the plow hog and Iggy. And then the next thing you know, is we, we got a bunch of questions and then it wound up being opinions. And that's now what the podcast is since, uh, at this particular moment in history, I mean, I guess I could have people in to do interviews, but most people are not coming in to do interviews at this moment. And I would prefer to have people in to do interviews. And I like doing this anyway. So, uh, email in anytime you want. Team McKernan. At insidestl.com, questions, comments, opinions, whatever—it's it's an absolute uh, it's an absolute free for all. So feel free to uh, to get involved. We take them both email and on the TMA fan page on uh, on Facebook. And and really most of the the emails and questions that were sent in today are about uh, the election results uh, last night, um, and certainly a lot of people reacting to Kim Gardner um, winning. Uh, in the city uh, as she is certainly a polarizing figure. Um, what is your reaction, Pete? I know you uh, you are a city resident. I don't know if you feel strongly one way or the other. I don't know if we ever really discussed Kimberly Gardner now. She was Kim Gardner. Kimberly Gardner.
1: I know all of my attorney friends are not happy with that. Okay. So what I is think, their reasoning? Uh, they just, they don't think she's good at her job. Like, they they, they think it's a joke. That she got reelected, so they would know much better than i would so i i kind of roll with them um this was one that i mean when i was driving around like uh the
0: south side this weekend you saw a lot of mary pat carl signs all over the place
1: she was very popular in my friend group
0: uh oh oh is she really yeah they know her or they just didn't like kimberly i've got friends
1: that know her very well really she lives in your old neighborhood
0: oh does she really i didn't know that she lives in st louis hill oh yeah
1: yeah and uh i know that she's just from all accounts that I've heard, she's just a great person. Would have been excellent for the position.
0: You, you know, I was watching I, first time and probably only time, so it's every couple of years, I guess. And maybe I'll watch it in November. Uh, local news last night uh, because I wanted to see what was going on with this. And it was interesting to me that Kimberly Gardner was being portrayed as progressive, whereas Mary Pat Carl is not. And I think Mary Pat Carl would sit here and laugh at that. She she is progressive, right? Not enough. I, I but I don't I don't I don't even. No. And I, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like you have to be a certain demographic background to be qualified as, I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about. Like her, her politics are progressive, but they're not progressive enough. I I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't don't follow it. Um, and so, you know, with, with regard to Kimberly Gardner and Mary Pat Carl, I feel like more people are actually worked up about that this morning. Than they are Mark Montavani. Um, yeah, I could see that. For me, uh, I am I am certainly in the in the Montavani uh, category. Of, I mean, I was watching. I, all it took last night, it, it wasn't even a sweat. It was I saw the absentee ballots posted on STLToday.com at eight o'clock, and I'm like, holy shit! I think Page had forty percent, Zimmerman had twenty-eight percent, Montavani at twenty-five percent, and right then I'm like, wow. Unless something huge happens. He is going to lose. So it was not even a sweat. This was not Bush versus Gore 2000. Uh, it was pretty clear. And you're going, how did I miscalculate this so badly? I really thought he was going to win comfortably. I didn't I didn't even think it was going to be a sweat. I thought it might be the other way around. And so I was off. I mean, I was 100% off. I was
1: wrong. Well, it's super disappointing, too, because, like you said, like you're voting for Montevani. Right. And I feel like that's more and more rare these days that there's a candidate you really are voting for it's like almost like you're picking the best of two evils and this is a guy two evils yeah yeah, lesser of two evils so this is a guy that i really felt strongly about it just it hits harder uh
0: so with regard to uh to to the gardener one i know a lot of people are fired up about asking about i guess my main takeaway from that uh is certainly a number of people may feel that way the thing that stood out to me is I don't understand why one was called a progressive and one wasn't when both are progressive. I, I don't. I but I mean it's like you have to like just be. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't follow that. Um, so I guess if you're on the left, you're just automatically a progressive. I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. I just that that that's that's odd to me.
1: I don't know enough to, to answer your question. Yeah, I
0: know. I know. I'm, I'm just kind of talking to myself. <laughs> but I'm I'm going. I, I watched that last night. And I'm going. But Mary Pat Carl is progressive. Now, that doesn't mean you might not like it or you might like it, but that doesn't it. like it's like I'm short and bald. I Trust me, I don't <laughs> like it, but these are realities and we have to navigate where we are. And she is. But why is she not considered? And I just think it comes down to race. And I think that's unfortunate. And so it has to work both ways. At least I think it has to work both ways. If you're going to speak with any semblance of integrity, you can't condemn racism and then prop it up. in another side, I don't get it. So I I'm just I'm confused by that. Uh, so with that all said, um, more questions coming in. Well, this one, this one's just, this will take us right off track, but that's essentially what we do here. Uh, Hey, have you spoken with Adam long on how the course is looking at Harding park this week?
1: <laughs> He's been calling you nonstop. <laughs> Tim, I got to tell you,
0: Tim, you got to check out 15. <laughs> I think you'd birdie it, but the rest of us are having real trouble.
1: I was about to call my caddy, but I called you instead.
0: <laughs> Do you have one pick you can share that your DraftKings guy really likes this week? Uh, I, and I know this question is asked. This guy's not asking it being a smart ass, so I don't want to mock it, even though I probably did unintentionally there. Uh, just because I thought I was going to continue to talk about the election, and all of a sudden I see Adam Long's name, and I'm like, "How does he tie into it?"
1: Now I feel bad.
0: Uh, Adam Long is not somebody I texted with or talked with. I don't really talk with damn near anybody on the phone ever, uh, period. Um, unless it's absolutely now, Pete. How many times do you think we've talked on the phone?
1: You and Adam Long, or me no, and no, you? no, 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 oh. <laughs> me and you. I mean, maybe like ten times.
0: <laughs> yeah, like like I'd cap it at ten. And that's,
1: that's over two years.
0: Uh, Yeah, I know. It's over two. I mean, I'm just not a phone guy. I got a, I got a phone call here from, uh, you know, Jakey, Jakey, big mistake. Oh yeah. Great guy. He he literally just called me as we were sitting here. Um, and, uh, and I'm just like, Jakey, Jakey, text me, baby. Uh, but with that all said, uh, Adam and I did not get on the phone this week when he arrived in San Francisco. We did text last week after he, uh, nearly won in, uh, Minneapolis. That was fun to watch. Yeah, man. That was great. And, I, and I'll tell you this, Here, regard, I'll, I'll answer your first question with an answer to the second question. Do you have one pick you can share that your DraftKings guy really likes this week? I honestly have not talked with him, um, so that's that's the honest answer. Then secondarily, I look at a variety of sites, numbers, and I will tell you this, and this was also the case going in, and I'm only going to specify it to Adam Long because otherwise I'm giving you free information. So that's why I always wonder with these guys that do these podcasts. It's like, are they really doing it, or if they really make that money too. from this? I, that don't always you always bother? It? It's a conflict it's like, of interest.
1: Yeah, exactly. That conflict of interest.
0: All, it's kind of like the guy back in the, back in the '80s head. who, like, you call half. You know, you call one number and half the picks get the Jets, and then you call the other, <laughs> and they give you the Giants. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like. So
1: that's still out there, by the way. Is that still going on? Yeah, they send right? text messages now. Oh, jeez.
0: So. With that, because, I mean, listen, if I have somebody I love and I don't think he's going to be heavily owned, like, I was all over Kepka last week, um, which was kind of a game theory play because I didn't think there'd be high ownership coming off of how poorly he had played and didn't make the cut in Minneapolis where Adam nearly won it. He walked off the 18th green, tied for the lead. Uh, You don't tell people that. I mean, even if only 5,000 people are listening to this, I'm not going to, in what? 500 of them play DraftKings. It, it's still, why would I give 500 people that information? It's nothing personal. I wouldn't expect other people to. I'd be like, you're fucking stupid to tell me your information. You're paying for this. You're studying it. Why would you give me that?
1: Like, if I know the winning lottery numbers, I'm not going to give sure. them to you.
0: Right. Because because actually, that 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 is part of DraftKings. You want to, you intention, this is some of the, one of the things I was trying to explain to Iggy last week. And I'm not mocking Iggy, because I think a lot of people think this way. I'm like, well, there's value in picking a player where you think he is not going to be heavily owned. That is the road to riches. So in other words, he was high on Xander Shoffley going into the PGA championship this week. Pete and I are recording this on the eve of, so we have no idea who's going to win this thing. I would tell you, I think Shoffley probably going to be owned by 20 plus percent of, of the millionaire maker lineups. I know Iggy's not playing the millionaire maker, but either way, he'll be heavily owned. So if you're high on, Adam Long, just to use him as an example, Adam's probably going to be owned by maybe 2.5% of the people. So therefore, Adam Long is a better value than Xander Shoffley. And it's just one of those things that you have to like unlearn and train your brain to think of. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about game theory. It's like when my stockbroker fans, not fans, have so many fans on Wall Street, stockbroker friends listen to the show and they laugh when they start hearing us talk about game (laughs) theory, but they're like, that's what we do. You know, everybody's doing this. We see value on doing this, and so we do it. So we go the other way. That's what you have to do. So you have a few plays like this week in DraftKings. I would imagine Dustin Johnson would probably fall into that category. I'm not saying to pick Dustin Johnson. I'm just saying I don't think many people will be high on him, even though he kind of flew under the radar and had a nice weekend. Four rounds in in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is only 7,800 or 7,700 on DraftKings. He was... um, He was one of the top players as far as strokes gained um, approach last week on the final two rounds, so he might be coming into form, and he tends to play tougher courses well. Uh, Earlier this year, I watched him at Palm Beach Gardens at one of the toughest courses relative to par, uh, PGA National, and I don't know what the hell happened on his second shot on 18. This is super obscure. If you know what I'm talking about, you are really in (laughs) in the same category where he missed a a shot that uh, not too many professionals would miss missing oh, I, I that. Yeah. Remember what I'm talking yeah. about when Sun J M won yep. I know was, exactly what you're talking Yeah that was just that I mean that's just and I I and I I cite his shot on that hole, I guess in 19, maybe it was 18, but he was 270 out on that very same hole and he stuck it to 10 feet or less with a three wood. And I'm just like this is a different world. I can't hit a driver <laughs> 270, much less to within like 50 yards of a target and they're hitting a three wood and he's my size Probably weighs less, actually. And and he's hitting it to within 10 feet, like with a right-to-left ball. I think he's yep. right-to-left. Right-to-left ball flight. <laughs> and, and, and just going, this is just dumb. Like, why? You know, I mean, it's just it's a, it's just stupid. I don't know what the hell these guys do. I don't know what they have. I guess they just have fast twists. I asked Adam that. I go, how do these guys? Well, they're just born with certain muscle. He goes, I can hit it far, but it's nothing like most of these guys. So, with that all said, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, but either way, it's not like I'm, I'm a fucking losing player. You know, I mean, I'm like asking Mush in a Bronx tale for his tip at the horse races. I'm no good. Although, Gangster Pete, I really did on Sunday, this past Sunday. We were live to win $500,000 with four holes left, and that's not. We were in 20th place with Brooke. Now, you have to know who was in competition at the WGC St. Jude. Now get back to the politics. That's a sweat, though. Holy shit. So the wizard wizard who, just to be clear, it's not like he gives me picks and then I implement them. We bullshit about it, but that would be, that would be against DraftKings rules. So Mm -hmm. that's not what's going on just for the record. He's got his thing and I, and I wouldn't expect him to either. And I'm not going to give him mine, but mine are worth shit. He wins money. I'm just some jackass. And so he was, because the wizard balls so hard, uh, he's on a boat off the coast. I don't even know where the hell he is. Uh, yeah, Exactly. And he texts me when he gets on back on land and he goes, holy shit, you're in 26th place. And I go, no, I'm in 20th place now. Like, I'm like, oh my God. And I'm over at my parents' house and they don't know what this is. They think it's like some (laughs) asshole, like with a bet, you know, they don't realize that this is real because my dad yells at the TV when the Timberwolves and Nuggets are playing a Christmas day game because he's got $3 on the over. And that's what I think he thinks is going on. But I truly can win $500,000 and that's not bullshit. And we had Kepka—I have to do this from memory. Kepka was in the lead at the time. Fitzpatrick, Berger, we had Tom Lewis. Two and a half percent of the field had Tom Lewis— Sun J M and Sergio Garcia, who both finished top thirty-five. The other four were in the mix to win the thing with four holes left. Tom Lewis had a birdie putt on sixteen, oh, which I think you and I could yeah, see that. I saw it. It he, was like a 4 fitter You and looked, I could I birdie like, at
1: sixteen. I assumed it was in before he hit it, and then he missed and it and missed bad.
0: Yep. And he would have been the leader, yeah. Tom Lewis. Yeah. So that's so my guys. Ninety-seven are like,
1: and a half percent of the field did not have him. Exactly right,
0: and that's got more value. So that's what I was saying to the guys. I'm like, hey. We, like, we have Capka, we have Berger, we have Fitzpatrick, and they all could win, but the one we want to win is Tom Lewis. Why? Because only 2.5% of the field has him. So this is kind of like when I learned to play poker. I played poker for a few years, but I was just donating. And then somehow in 2007, 2008-ish, I became a winning player. I actually don't really know what happened. I just became, for about four years before it got shut down in the U.S., a winning player. I'm not that with with Daily Fantasy, but I do understand the general principle that you don't go, oh, Xander Shoffley, I think he'll do well this week. Justin Thomas, I think he'll do well this week. Uh, take your pick of whoever else people are all over this week. I don't even know who people are all over this week. But right. are a lot of people on Capco, you couldn't afford to have those three players in your roster probably right. unless you just had a bunch of guys who qualified at 6,000 to get in. But either way, the point being, you have to – zag when people are zigging and it's not comfortable. You think I'm like, I've got to put Tom Lewis on my roster, but I'm like, I'm looking at the numbers and Tom Lewis actually is a good value play. And I think he was like 6,500-ish on DraftKings. And I know I'm talking to like 0.1% of the audience and people are fast forwarding <laughs> through this, but it's, it's, it's a thought process that I actually find stimulating. It's, it's, because it, it makes you kind of swim against the, the current. And that's what I like about it. And it is fun. and It does give you a sweat. And so then the wizard, the wizard says, I said, hold, I said, Kepka winds up doubling 18. We go from Pete, we were winning. So we had $1,200 invested. And we were winning with four holes left, 5,000, which is great. Yep. But I mean, it's not what the goal is. Right. Uh w- I mean for real we were we were going to have a chance to win first place in one that was $500,000 and that was a $20 entry and first place in another that was $5 cuz it's the same roster and they're in two contests. So it would have been $550,000. I mean this is this is this is you know I mean this is these are material dollars. Yeah, no doubt. And what what what's our what's our net? We were at 4,900 and the net when the tournament is over 241. <laughs> we actually wound up losing $1,000. Wow. And it, and it all happened in the final four holes. Lewis imploded after he missed that short putt for birdie to take the lead on 16. I think he bogeyed another hole on the way. But yeah, he three-jacked from like 25 feet. Right. That was very untour. Uh, Kapka doubled 18. Berger bogeyed 18. Who oh, Fitzpatrick blew up on 17. He had a shot to take the lead. He was yep. in the fairway on 17 with a shot to take the lead, 180 yards out.
1: And He's been looking good lately. He has.
0: I like him this week, but I, I know too. a lot of people will like him yep. this week, so he might not be a good value play. But either way... Um, yeah, I mean, it's that that just shows how, and and people are like, oh, my God, how'd this happen? Like, well, that's the thing, because there's there's hundreds of thousands of rosters in the thing. Like, I think there were 130,000 rosters in the thing, so obviously. But I, we had a clear path. We had a clear path of those people, 19 people in front of us. None of them had the same roster, which means had those guys continued on the path that they were on for the first 15 holes of the tournament, there was, and Kepka wins, or Lewis specifically wins, we win it. we're at least top five. Uh, and, and, his, and, and then the wizard, cause the wizards used to making money. I think the wizards made seven figures. He goes, well, you know, the money's just a nice byproduct. You got the sweat and that's what it's all about. I'm like, dude, that's coming from <laughs> you and you've been offshore on a boat. I'm like, I want the money. I li- I lived sweats playing poker, you know, that's, but sweat filled. You can be a shitty player and get sweats. I mean, we're, we're in 20th place, and we wound up, I think, in 320th, which is still good, which it sounds weird, because there's 130,000 entries.
1: Sweat plus money. That's better. Yeah, exactly.
0: Holy shit. And then I walk out of there. I'm sure my dad's like, oh, another degenerate <laughs> shit. I've been watching this for the last 30 years. Ah. Uh, anyway, Scott, you got a good answer. At least I think you got a good answer on whether or not I had talked to Adam Long to get his view of the course. No, I haven't. I'll fire him a text real quick to see what see what he thinks of number 15. Um, let's see. Gladwell's quote, thank you. Thank you for the delicious fries has become part of the TMA lexicon as a go-to drop and running joke on TMA for some time now. One day looking for fresh content, I stumbled on Malcolm's podcast revisionist history thinking to myself, that's the fry guy. I gave it a listen and loved it. I was wondering if you've ever listened to this podcast and if so, what are your thoughts were on it on the production style of it as well? And if you are familiar with his podcast business and if a model like that might be something inside STL would pursue in the future, thanks. That comes from Aaron. Uh, Absolutely. That's how I heard. That's how I heard. Thank you. Thank you for the delicious fries because I listened to revisionist history. Although I have to acknowledge that I have not listened to recent, uh, the recent, most recent season of revisionist history. And and honestly, I don't know what you're talking about with regard to his uh, business model. Of his podcast business, Pete, you are. Uh, are you familiar with Gladwell's business model on his podcast? I don't. I know. listened
1: to a few of the episodes. I'm not, not familiar with the business model. Aaron, uh, I'm going to ask you to follow up. I definitely recommend the Big Man Can't Shoot. It's like the third one he ever did about free throws and Wilt Chamberlain and Oh, uh, really? Wilt Chamberlain and uh, Shaq and how their numbers could have been outrageous if they could have shoot free shot free throws and how they turned down like help just because it didn't look cool. Really? Yeah, like Rick Barry wanted to help him shoot underhanded, and he just know, he didn't like the way it that. looked, but he was shooting like a good percentage doing it. It, it was a really interesting episode. Um, I have listened to them, but I haven't
0: listened to the recent ones, and I haven't listened to the uh, Big Men Can't Shoot as uh, Gangster Pete was talking about, but Uh, As far as the production, yeah, I mean, you know, this one, I think, this podcast, as in the one you're listening to right now, is rare in that there is damn near no production. Although, Rogan doesn't do any production, does he? No. He just talks. He, like, rattles off 10 minutes worth of spots. Yeah. Which I'm always surprised by. I mean, I know I do a couple at the beginning, although today I haven't yet. um, Because I'm just like, okay, it's not going to give the people the advertisers value so you intermingle them even though everybody's aware that you could skip through them but hey listen if you like the podcast the podcast exists because of advertising you can get <laughs> mad about advertising but that's the currency
1: i love the way rogan does it because i know i just fast forward to right, the beginning exactly. and it's done
0: yeah but yeah he's still making whatever the hell it is that he's making at least 100 doing, million doing doing that uh, strategy uh, Tim I recall you Mau' back on uh, the election Tim I recall you mentioning something along the lines of Mark Montevani not being a fan of campaigning how do you think that contributed to last night's result if at all number two, that's number one number two not living in St. Louis I'm curious as to how you and Pete think his campaign compared to pages um, that is you are correct it's from Timmy recaps um, questions from the audience superstar uh, you are correct that he did I do believe if he didn't say it on, the podcast. he certainly said it in a conversation we had. So he did not like campaigning and one of the things he was weighing when deciding to run in 2020 was the fact that he would have to run again in 2022 and that means he would be campaigning in 2018, 2020 and 2022 and that did not appeal to him. Um, however, to follow up on your second question, I, I think the idea of a campaign in what we have thought about it pre-march 2020 totally changed. Because just like with the exception of Kimberly Gardner, I didn't see anybody having any parties last night. And so therefore you didn't see campaigns right now uh, like you have in the past because people couldn't speak in front of hundreds or thousands of people. So I don't think that part impacted him as much. What I do think impacted him in a major way, and it's really, when you kind of, this is kind of like a revisionist history episode here. Mark Monavani didn't win, I believe, in 2018 because you had a right-to-work initiative on the ballot, and therefore you had a strong union turnout, and he was portrayed as being anti-union. And so he—I was like—and he, I think, honestly, I think Mark kind of knew he wasn't going to win in 2018 as things got close. Last night, I don't think that's how they felt, but now if we're if we're doing an autopsy, I think we would say a lot of people—and I'm not saying this is the reason, but I do think— for those who went in and voted yesterday, they go, oh, well, it's a pandemic and we have a doctor, so we will vote. And I'm not saying everybody, I'm not even saying even 10%. I do think that that played a role in it. Um, Or he is going to be the best person to lead because he's in medicine. And so therefore, you know, Again, I wasn't expecting to have this conversation because I truly thought Mark was going to win. So I was wrong. I did not feel that way in 2018 um, in that I didn't think he was going to win. I was a fan then, but I became a bigger fan recently. Um, his, his losses were, you know, un- related to some incredibly unfortunate slash unique slash mathematical unlikelihood, uh, unlikelihoods that contributed. Um, and so, alas, you have him who I think would have been an outstanding leader for our region losing to Steve Stenger and Sam Page. And again, none of this is anti Sam Page. I will say this, uh, a decade from now, I would be surprised if people go, man, we were really lucky that we had Sam Page as county executive. (laughs) That's, and it's not a shot. Just like, I don't think people are going to look back and say, Man, we were really lucky we had, take your pick of, God, I guess I gotta name people now, and I gotta name somebody who's Republican and Democrat to make sure I cover both. Um, Roy Blunt is a U.S. Senator. Claire McCaskill is a U.S. Senator. I'm sure that'll piss people off, but I gotta gotta do my job. Uh, In other words, I don't think either one of them will be viewed as legendary. They were U.S. senators, or one still is, and one was in, in the state of, or U.S. senators representing the state of Missouri, but I don't know if any of them are gonna be viewed as historic figures. Um, so that's what I'm saying. And I really do think Manavani would have made a substantial positive impact. He, and he, and he was going in going, I know I'm going to upset some people. And so I know there's a good chance I don't win in 2022, but it needs to be done. So I'm willing to do it. He was willing to be the bad guy in order to get the right things done. How often do you hear that? So. It's that, that, that disappoints me. Great questions. I just don't think that, I don't think it necessarily tied in because when he was saying it, he was saying it back in November of 2019 and obviously things changed substantially over the next few months. Um, let's see. I see video of Lana Rhodes getting her wisdom teeth removed and removed. That's, (laughs) that's wonderful. Have you ever watched that gangster Pete? No, no, I haven't seen that. Well, I'm sure that is that's NPR quality stuff there. Uh, hey, let me make sure I tell us about the uh, HomeLoneExpert.com studios. Uh, Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. We had him on the radio show this morning. So I refinance, which I've been talking about here ever since April when I did it. And I thought I got a great interest rate, and I did at the time. But now people are getting them in the twos. They really are. Not like we can get you in the twos. It's kind of like we're locking. Ryan said more than 50% of the refis are in the twos. The twos. It just... It, It's one of those things, I think you've heard it so much over the last however many years that it kind of becomes white noise. Stop and pay attention. You're leaving money on the table. You're just paying it in interest. Go to thehomeloanexpert.com and capitalize on this to refinance in the twos. used to be a huge deal when we were saying threes. Now we're in the twos. Thehomeloanexpert.com, the studio sponsors here of the uh, Tim McKernan Show. And uh, questions from the audience. And then the great James Carlton. Here's an opportunity. Uh, this is uh, this is big-time doings here, uh, courtesy of the great James Carlton, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. This is, uh, this is substantial news here, another reason to switch. I made the switch a couple years ago, but, uh, hey, there's uh, nothing wrong with doing it now. James Carlton has some exciting news to share for the St. Louis area. State Farm has filed a rate decrease with the state of Missouri, and James is confident that State Farm will have the best pricing that he's seen in 12 years and perhaps in their history, meaning there has never been a better time for our listeners to take a look if they're not currently with State Farm. The good news isn't just for those looking to change their coverage. Current customers will be seeing big reductions in their renewals as well. James Carlton, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, Call James Carleton, State Farm, 314-961-4800. Hey, Tim, uh, is there a preferred method for us listeners to listen live to the radio show? Does one let you track listeners for advertisers better? Thanks. That comes from Guy. Uh, no. The answer to that is uh, no. It all comes from one uh, site, and it's all—unless uh, I'm completely off the mark. I speak with confidence. I am not in management or ownership, but that is—, um, that is Uh, that is, uh, the way it works, that it does not matter. It's just like podcast. Everything comes from, um, the Libsyn, which you hear us joke about Libsyn, but it's L-I-B-S-Y-N platform. And so whether you access it on, take your pick of whatever podcasting platform, the data, if you subscribe all goes back to Libsyn. So it does not matter. It's a good question, but, uh, it does not, uh, it does not matter. All right, let me go more into more questions. Uh, Tim, uh, you guys have talked about your support for Mark Montavani. enjoyed the discussion this morning on the show. If not Montavani, who, and I know you have joked about it before when Senator Danforth brought it up, but why not you? Uh, thanks. And that comes from Drew, uh, Drew P. Well, that's, that's really flattering. Uh, assuming you're actually being serious. Part of me thinks you're not being serious. <laughs> I would describe myself anytime this comes up as being unelectable. I am unelectable. I am unelectable. Um, I I think, uh, take your pick of, uh, being, uh, very open with regard to being a pervert and agnostic would immediately disqualify me. Who, who would, can you imagine Senator Danforth saying, I realize he's a big fan of Brazzers pre-pandemic and he does not necessarily believe in a higher power, but he is my guy. I don't see that happening. I do not see that happening. Um, but but thank you. Uh, Pete, is there anybody you see on the land in the landscape um, locally who you I think this person outside of Mark, who we've spent a good amount of time talking about, who you uh, who who fires you up, who you uh, you could see as being a leader for the region?
1: Nobody off the top of my head. Yeah, I know to, I'd I'd I, don't, I don't I don't either. It. So don't feel bad about <laughs> yeah. it. I honestly
0: don't. I'm sure some people listening do have some people, uh, you know, uh, but I don't. I honestly don't. I don't know. I really don't. Mark always stood out to me, and it's a good question because, you know, in order for it to happen, there you don't just usually pop up. Right. Uh, there has to be, like, some kind of office. Uh, I have had people send in some names of aldermen in the past. Alder people is Megan Green. Uh, some people want to be called aldermen. Some people yeah. want to be called alderwomen. I'm not making a stand here. Got to say these things. But um, <laughs> male or female alder people, <laughs> I think I have encompassed everything. Uh, cisgender or otherwise, uh, point being, I don't know. The honest answer is I don't know. Um, so I, I'm sure there are people, um, I, I here's what I would tell you, whether it fires you up or doesn't fire you up. I think Tashara Jones is going to be the mayor this time next year. Um, one might like it, one might not like it, but I'm just telling you what I think and what that would mean in 2021 to Jones is the mayor and Sam Page is the County Executive. And, Barring a huge surprise or unforeseen circumstances, that's the way I see it. I don't even know how it would not be that way. Actually, do you do you agree with me on that, Gangster Pete? Yeah, that's how I see it going. Yeah, I mean, like that's like, can I parlay that? I mean, obviously, Page at this point, uh, he's not going to lose in the, the general. So, uh, you know, does that does that inspire people? I, I don't think so. And, no, and again, it's it. again these these aren't, these aren't these aren't these aren't personal criticisms. These are observations you know, whether one likes him or not, whether one likes him or not. And I would absolutely on the off chance, anybody's not clear on it. I would fall into the category of not Donald Trump inspired people. I do like this gentleman, Barack Obama. He inspired people. I don't believe Joe Biden inspires people. Uh, I don't believe Hillary Clinton inspired many people. I don't believe Mitt Romney inspired people. I do think John McCain inspired people. So that is part of it. But what you have now, for the most part, as Pete stated earlier, people go in to vote against someone way more often than they go in to vote for someone. And that's why yesterday stands out to me, because I went in excitedly to vote for someone. My next email actually comes from Mark Monovani, but it's a <laughs> personal email. Uh, right. And I don't think that's for a, a email. He emailed me last night at 1220. So I, w- I went to bed last night hoping that I would wake up because it was pretty clear it wasn't going to happen. And I went to bed like at 1030 and I'm like, I hope I wake up and like a bunch of email or votes came in from. And I woke up and I saw a text from somebody said, that's it. I'm done with politics. I'm like, well I guess that means. Uh, and that was not the one from Mark, for the record. Um, Mark had a much better uh, perspective on it. He probably wouldn't mind me even reading
1: this. It's not like he's
0: bitching up a storm
1: or anything like that.
0: Uh, this was somebody who was a uh, big fan of Mark's texting and just like, that. he's going
1: to continue to have a good life.
0: Yeah. He'll be, he'll be fine. But I know it's, you know, one of the things he said, Pete, I think he said it here again. I don't know. Obviously we talked, but I'm picturing him sitting right over there. One of the reasons why he was hesitant to run was because he didn't want to lose twice, which, yeah. you know, I get, well, I it get made perfect sense. That's part of the reason I didn't think he was going to run. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Joe Biden has run for president like 20 times. Mitt Romney ran for president and didn't get the nomination in 08, did get it in 12, but lost the general. You've had, I mean, that's, that's, you know, I don't think you necessarily think through it till you're in the arena and go, oh, shit, I'm putting myself out there. And, to, and I could I could be embarrassed, for lack of a better term. Now, I, and I think oftentimes perhaps the politician himself or herself consider it more embarrassing than the actual people do. Because I respect anybody willing to get into the arena, because that takes a great amount of courage as it is uh, especially if they do it with pure motives.
1: Well, there's a lot more people that have lost than have won.
0: Absolutely. That's just the math. So I respect it. just like somebody, if they start up a business and it doesn't work out. God bless. You took the chance. That takes yep. a great deal of courage. So God bless. Um, but that's something that you think about. It's like something I draw an analogy. Anytime I'm like, yeah, this person's way more embarrassed about it than anybody's thinking. Joe Buck. And I don't know if you were in here when he talked about the thing with Kepka and his girlfriend. Yeah, I was there. And I'm just like, and like, I'm, I almost kind like surprising. had like an intervention. I'm like, dude, yeah. nobody cared. Right. Like, n- like you're so you're still so upset about this, and it's been a couple of years. At that time, it had been a couple of years. Like mm-hmm. nobody cared. Like it was like a blip. And he's like, I just ruined the whole weekend of coverage. And I'm just like, oh.
1: It was more so like kind of funny yeah, than anything, it was like. Yeah. Oh my god, Joe's terrible. Yeah,
0: because I I remember tweeting like just joking about it, and like if I would have known it was hypersensitive, I would have never tweeted it. Right. And then I think he said, well, he goes, I'm glad I didn't see that tweet because I probably would have blocked you. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God. But it really bothered him. And yep. I, and, but, so, but if you're a politician and you're running and you lose, you know, and you lose twice and one of the losses is to a guy sitting in a jail in South Dakota, you know, and the other ones to somebody who you're like, you know, kind of going, I, I can't believe that this, and not that he's saying this, but I think some people are like, wow, you know, this is the county executive. Um, who has certainly gotten a lot of backlash for his policy during this pandemic. And I do want to say this because he said this and I saw Parsons say this last night, and I do think there's truth to it. Whoever is in office at this moment is going to experience a great deal of backlash for circumstances that are out of their control. There are certain people in this particular moment who have not necessarily excelled or handled responsibility particularly well for the circumstances. But even if you did handle responsibility Uh, And the circumstances as well as possible, you are still going to be held accountable unfairly. Uh, And so that is that is something that I do think Sam Page, Parson, take your pick, whether you like them, dislike them, are experiencing. Uh, So I want to make because I really do feel that way. Uh, And those are people I would not vote for. But I think it's only fair to to acknowledge that that whoever is if Mon, let me put it this way if Monavani had one in 2018 and Page wanted to win and Monavani was the incumbent I would assume Page would have gone after Monavani for his handling of COVID-19 because that's what you do to the incumbent in 2020 that's the deal again some have handled it way worse than others but Uh, no matter who's in office, is going to get uh, held accountable for it. That's just just like, how can you say, well, I mean, this person handled it well. Everybody's dealing with it. Everybody's dealing with not only the medical realities of it, but also the economic realities of it, and nobody is going to have positive numbers on that. You can't have positive numbers when you're talking about deaths that did not exist at this time last year, and then comparing economic numbers year over year when you are talking about a boom this time last year, and you're talking about a monster reduction in GDP, uh, what, for the, the largest one ever, 9.3%, even greater than the Great Depression. So with that all said, how, how can an incumbent run on handling things well at this particular moment? So with that all said, I want to make sure I, I say that because I think that's only fair, um, which coincidentally leads into this email. Hey, Tim, with everything that happened last night in Missouri, I wanted to see if this changed your position on Missouri in November. I can't help but feel Biden is really in play to carry Missouri in November. I realize Trump crushed Hillary in Missouri in 2016, but there seems to be a lot of momentum for the Democrats in Missouri. Missouri passed Medicaid expansion. St. Louis elected what will probably be one of the most liberal members of Congress and Corey Bush. Nicole Galloway absolutely crushed every other primary contender and seems to have Missouri Democrats full support behind her. Governor Parson's handling of the pandemic has really tanked his popularity and he is running as a non-elected incumbent Uh, with Trump's popularity at an all time low and Parsons seeming to struggle. I think there is a real chance we see a very good night for Democrats in Missouri in November. That comes from Alex. Alex, I'm going to rain on your parade, not with great joy or intent, but here is my perspective. I think last night tells you that you can't count on that. That's actually where I'm coming from. Now, I see where you're coming from. I don't I don't think that your 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 perspective is misguided at all. But from a handicapping standpoint, I truly thought Monavani was going to win. Uh, now, some people might go, "Well, Monavani was more of a conservative, and a conservative really lost last night." So, if you want to, and I get that, I follow that, I follow that logic. But when it comes to Missouri and Trump, I mean, God, if I could bet it, wouldn't you? Pete, Am I off on this? Are you? Seeing, no, I, I don't. It's like it's like it's, it's like the like lockiest of locks going. <laughs> It's the lockiest of locks going. I mean, it's just, it's just not, I, I mean, it's not even, you know, part of it, I was talking about how I was over at my parents' house on Sunday and I was in, in the sweat of sweats. The, the biggest, I probably will never have a better sweat than that in DraftKings, which is kind of sad because I wound up losing $1,000 and it still was the best I've ever done. Again, relatively speaking with sweats. And I was over there, it was just me and my parents and my son was over there and my brother was over there with his, uh, his son, we we're just bullshit and hanging out I and mean, what can you do? And part of me kind of wanted to go, because I'm all but certain they voted for Trump, and just to kind of get their perspective on, n- not to, like, like get in an argument, but just to see if their minds had changed at all over the last X amount of months, just out of curiosity. But I, I didn't do it because I was watching Tom Lewis miss birdie putts, but I kind of I'd be curious on that because I, I did notice in in the in the Gallup poll I posted on the fan page that there were a large number of people who did vote for Trump in 2016 or did vote for a third party in 2016 who will be voting for Biden in 2020. And I don't think it's because they're like, yes, Joe Biden. I think it's more like it's just we got to put an end to it. And I'd be curious you know, to hear from people who were of the mindset and did vote. But but I, here's what I think it comes down to. I think it was more, listen, as I said earlier, Trump did inspire people. Like Obama inspired people in, in 2008. But unlike 2008, where I do think most people went into the booth to vote for Barack Obama or vote for John McCain, I think in 2016 they were voting against the other one. That's all I think, not all, but I think that was a healthy percentage. I think you'd have a lot of people going, yeah, I just couldn't stand Hillary Clinton. And while I'm not really fired up about Joe Biden, at least he's not Hillary Clinton, so I will vote for Joe Biden because I can't can't vote for Donald Trump. I think that would describe a large number of the people who voted for Donald Trump in 2016 who will not be voting for him now. Do you agree with that, gangster? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think people are like, oh, you know, Joe Biden is firing me up. Um, So... I don't know. What do you think, by the way? Because he's supposed to do it this week or next week on the VP play. I noticed it's off Bovada. I've been monitoring that like crazy. And I've been, been seeing a ta- lot of headlines about
1: Harris. A and lot I of articles st- about her lately. I just, God, if I could, are you, I was interested, thinking are you interested in a wager
0: well, on it? I'll go ahead and throw it out there. She, you know, she's she was on Bovada. I'm going into you're it. You're
1: saying she won't be the pick. That I,
0: I'm getting. It's not a fair bet for you because I'm getting every other person in the world, and you're on <laughs> one person. But it's like the Tiger
1: Woods versus the field back in the day. Well, I just assumed they took it off because everyone was saying. And there I, for I, a can, days. I
0: kind of thought they took it off because they knew knew and they knew that there could be inside information, right. and so you didn't want it out there. That's what I thought. Um, I'm going to Bovada right now. This is a good time to tell you about Jim Rogers and Restoration One of Central St. Louis when my basement flooded in 2019, I had no idea where to go. None. Got home uh, from being out of town for a long time, which is depressing as it is. And then my basement is flooded and things are getting destroyed. And James Carlton, who I already talked about earlier, said, well, the person you go to is Jim Rogers, Restoration One. Jim Rogers of Restoration One in Central St. Louis. And I did. And my goodness, am I glad I did. I have no idea what we'd have done if I didn't. I really don't because things are, I mean, you, you don't have like time to go. Okay, well, we'll give it a couple days. Water is coming in from all over the place. You have to have somebody. So I realized I'm looking outside right now as Pete and I are recording this. It's a beautiful day in St. Louis, it's like 78 degrees or something. Perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, man. It's, it's August 5th. Forget about it. This is incredible. Uh, so it's not on people's minds right now. So what I'm telling you, I guess I'm looking at it, Pete. It is 73 degrees. <laughs> yeah, that's are you nuts. kidding me? Uh, on August 5th, 2020. But when you do have storms, you want to have somebody saved in your phone and somebody you know you can go to. And that's Jim Rogers of Restoration One. 314-888-5266. It's Restoration One of Central St. Louis. 314-888-5266. Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Jim Rogers. He saved the day for me. And Design Air Heating and Cooling. They're installing a new system in my home tomorrow. Seth Goldkamp is installing a new system in my home tomorrow can't wait. I'm like, how can it get better? Well, he says it can get better. And so we're going to find out because it's going in tomorrow and he is all fired up about it. Uh, and so I am fired up to see what the results will be. Seth Goldkamp and design air heating and cooling. It is a 16 S E E R air conditioner. Uh, and it qualifies for a $500 Ameren rebate. It's variable speed furnace, removes more humidity, and balances out temperature differences so your home is more comfortable. And there's very attractive financing terms, 0% APR for 48 months, which is incredible. Go to designairservice.com, Design Air Heating and Cooling, the official HVAC provider of the Ryan Kelly Morning After and of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. All right, Gangster Pete, I went to Bovada. Yeah, and the vice presidential thing is off the board, man. Well, it's not off the board. At least you just can't vote for it right now. Right. So that w- I would agree with you that that makes me think that at the very least they know um and they well they know it's out there. Yep. And so it's people can have inside information and get rich. Um as far as the presidential election goes, I did see that Biden got to minus 170. He is now to minus 165, so it was gone back. Trump is plus 140 and who is in third place? I always like to ask this question. <laughs> who is in third place? Uh, Once I say it you go oh god yeah.
1: <laughs> the Rock, Hillary Clinton <laughs> Hillary, Hillary Clinton's Clinton.
0: always there. She's always there, which is amazing because you have the vice president who just from a mathematic standpoint, you go, well, you always just throw money on him. I think I did vote for him, not because I'm like hopeful, but just because I'm like, well, I mean, shit, might as well. I guess I didn't. I got to put, I got to put some money on him. Uh, he's plus 8,000. So it's like I could put a $10 bet on Mike Pence. And if somehow something happened where Trump goes, I'm out and then Pence wins, I just won 800 bucks. It's like, why not? plus 8,000 seems absurd to me, but good value. Yeah. It's it's, it's all about a value play. That's all we got. So what was the question here? Oh, the question was about it being Biden carrying Missouri and I just don't see it. And if anything, but I do understand the, I do understand Alex where you're coming from. I, it's not like I, I I guess I'm coming from a spot where I thought something was going to happen. I was hopeful something was going to happen and I'm within 12 hours of it not happening. And so maybe I'm shook. (laughs) Um, but I've never thought Joe Biden had a chance or whoever was the Democratic nominee had a chance in Missouri so I just I don't it's obviously not necessary just like it isn't necessary for uh, Trump to carry California in order to win re-election or to get elected in uh, November 2016. so I just you know it's kind of like all right it's, it's it's up to five or six states and that's kind of the way it is and we've known that's the way it was going to be since November 16 and Missouri is not one of those states California is not one of those states. Uh, As far as a potential blue wave in Missouri, which is what you're speaking to, um, I guess the only thing I can say to that is I think some people may have thought Sam Page's handling of COVID would be held against him. And I don't know how you can look at the results from last night and say that that's the case. Now, you can also say Page's handling of COVID and the pandemic is the complete opposite of Parsons. So... Perhaps, but I just, I don't, I don't know if the people in outstate Missouri are breaking down the handling of the pandemic, uh, at least in large enough numbers where they would be like, oh, I really liked what the county executive in St. Louis did. I think if anything, they probably liked what (laughs) Parson did. So um, I don't think that that will come into play. It may come into play for some metropolitan area voters, but I don't think they'll switch to Nicole Galloway. Cole Galloway, Ursuline Academy. Did you know that, Gangster Pete? No, I didn't. Ursuline Academy. I'm Interesting. 38 years old, Ursuline Academy. Um, all right, what else do we have? Uh, hey, Tim, huge fan of both the show and the podcast. After Sam Page slash more of the same was elected last night, what do you think it will take to turn our region as a whole around? If we can't elect someone different, uh, I don't know what there is to do in terms of revitalizing our region. I'm not saying Mark was the silver bullet, but I thought he could have been the start to something great. I go to other Midwest cities that we used to consider minor league towns like Indianapolis, Nashville, Cincinnati, and they're miles ahead of us. It's not like we're a small area, roughly about the size of Denver and Baltimore. However, we seem to be getting beat out by cities half our size. I just want to hear what you and Pete both think it will take now to revitalize this area. Uh, Thank you. Uh, That
1: comes from Sniffin' Holes.
0: holes. Um, Gangster Pete, I will uh, yield to you. first. I
1: mean, we need better leadership. I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm at a complete loss right now. I don't know which way's up. I think, and I still think, because this
0: has had nothing to do with what took place last night, that the raw materials for St. Louis—and by raw materials, I keep saying that's like—what do I mean by raw materials? Circumstances are in St. Louis's favor. Go ahead. I, get I just repeat.
1: totally agree with all, with that, and that's why it's so frustrating when you have all that ready to go and you just need a leader to take you the next step. Right.
0: And a leader who's willing to be unpopular. Yeah, absolutely. That to me is this, I mean, you know, I mean, Mark Montavani was not going, I am the guy I have to win. I, you know, it's just not what he was. He was in his Pete sat here. And some of you may have listened to the podcast in November of 19. He did not sound like a guy who was running. And I recall wrapping up the podcast by going, if I had to bet a hundred dollars, I'd bet he's. And I remember him <laughs> either texting me or emailing him. He goes, well, you're, you lost a hundred dollars. I've decided I'm going to run.
1: Yeah. Right before he walked out, I go, I hope you run.
0: Yeah. And we thought, we both thought he wasn't going to. I'm like, I get it. Cause he doesn't like campaigning. He would have had to run a campaign three times, 18, 20, 22. And he didn't want to be the guy who lost twice. Um, but you know, when he got down to it, and I remember talking to him, we met right before I went down to spring training. So it had to be late January or the first week of February. And he was still up in the air as to what to do. And we were kind of both having this, I'm like, I don't know what I should do with caffeine. And he's like, I don't know what I should do with running. And he goes, I know he goes, it's almost like it's an ego thing. If you really think you can like what makes it has to make somebody almost egotistical if they think they can really help, but I really think I can help. And this is just a me and him conversation. He might be irritated that I'm even talking about this conversation. I don't know. I don't think it, I think if anything, it reflects well on him. Um, but he really felt like he could. And now, I mean, at this point you lose twice. I mean, it's, that's that's and, and lose, you know, in a, in a, fairly resounding manner. Uh, that's it, that's that. And that's, you know, that's gotta be, that's gotta be tough. So, um, I don't know so much. And I, and I guess, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, the Frank Cusimano walked into the studio. I don't know if you were in the studio, Pete, a couple days ago. Yeah, it was Monday. And he said, my God, Tim McKernan and Doug Vaughn agreeing on a political candidate. I never <laughs> thought I would see the day. Um, but, but that's where I, you know, and I guess that's all it's a, it's, it, I don't want to say it's a credit to Doug because he agrees with me so much as it's a credit to Doug. And I know some people, if you love Doug's politics, you can't possibly like my politics. And if you like my politics, you can't possibly like Doug's politics because they're certainly different. But what I will say is I think in this case, like Doug, I think is a Trump fan. I know some people might go, Oh my God, you're telling me you don't think Doug's a Trump fan. Yeah. I, I but he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, I don't think he's just like blindly like going, no, I think it's great. I think he likes the policies and I think he I think he thinks he's unfairly castigated because he acts like a goofball using a euphemism uh, with with regard to. This particular issue, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a person by person thing for me, it's not party, it's person. So that's where I am. That's why had it not been Barack Obama in 2008, I would have been voting for John McCain, assuming he wouldn't have picked Sarah Palin. Once that happened, I was out. But but it's it's the person. And uh, I just thought incredibly highly of Mark and some people. Oh, well, he's a Republican. OK, fine. Who gives a shit? I don't care. It doesn't matter. I think he's going to be in the best interest of the region. Um, and so that's that's, you know, whether you won as a Republican or Democrat. I don't get caught up in that, but I do have friends who do, and I understand it. I don't get angry about it. I guess it's kind of frustrating, but, you know, I get it. Um, It's just not where I am. Uh, It's like what Pete and I have talked about before with with single-issue voters, like what we think is the case with both of our mothers with regard to (laughs) abortion. I get it. I don't agree with it. I get it. And there's nothing you can do that you're going to get them to vote for somebody who is not— Pro life, and I'm sure plenty of people stand back and go, "Man, that's just really, whatever word, inexplicable, disappointing, surprising." And then there are people who pro life going, "Good for them, because that's the murder of babies," and how can you possibly vote for somebody who's pro murder of babies? And then you get to the question of. Well, when does life begin, which is really at the, at the, at the nucleus of the entire discussion, because I assure you the people who are pro-choice don't go, well, yeah, I'm for murdering babies, but when it gets down to it, you know, I need to be able to, have... that's not where people are. then that's, that's the, you're never going to have an agreement on it. You never have an agreement. You can spend, spend all that. We can, I can bring people in pro-life, pro-choice. We'll be banging our heads against the wall within 10 minutes. So there's no point on this. It's about the person and the policy. And I thought we had a winner last night. And I'm not talking about a winner that I thought he would win, even though I did think that. I thought we had a winner for our region uh, last night. Hey, Tim, waking up to the news today, August 5th, the Montevani loss extremely disheartening. Mark showed such contagious passion and desire for change for our community, which got me thinking. Mark inspired me to not accept the status quo, and he's opened the eyes of many that the status quo is not working in St. Louis. Just because Mark lost today doesn't mean his energy slash message needs to be lost. What advice would you give to someone like me that also shares Mark's passion for the region? What steps can I take to make impacts on this region? Leadership is non-existent in this town and St. Louis so desperately needs someone to inspire change and improvements. I just hate to see Mark's message die when it's a message that I wholeheartedly agree with and is what this town needs, if it's going to get any better, uh, that comes from the Eureka urologist. I always like these emails that are wonderful, and then I read their names and it's like, <laughs> well, I kind of. Uh, but D- didn't uh, see that coming yeah, from I didn't you. See that coming as uh, when I sign off, um, but yeah, people don't want their government names read. I, I, I read what they sign off with. So with that said, uh, it kind of speaks to what was asked earlier about somebody uh, that Peter I see is a potential solution. The thing I would, the other thing I would say about Mark is this. I think oftentimes, especially in 2020, people who actually really would be great for an office don't want to run for office because they know it's going to lead to the bullshit that comes with the attack ads. I mean, I was watching, and it happened to be a Zimmerman ad. I don't, I don't, but I mean, they were portraying him as being (laughs) pro Donald Trump. And I assure you, (laughs) I assure you, Mark Montevani is not pro-Donald Trump. I, and that might disappoint some of you who are pro-Donald Trump and are like, I'm going to vote for him because I think deep down he's a Republican. I assure you he is not pro-Donald Trump. Uh, and I'm, I'm watching these ads. And I'm like, wow, they're just lying about him. They're just lying about him. And I know it. I know it because I, I know. And it's, it's just one of those things. And I've, I, have, I, have a, I have another friend who I think could, I truly think, could win um, you know an office even bigger than St. Louis County executive. Um, couple, actually. And, um, one is, is I don't want to, cause I'm, I might be giving things away, but I, I specifically said to this person one time, I said, I really feel like you could, I think you would probably be a Republican, but it doesn't matter. I think highly of him as a person, I don't care. Uh, I, I, I and he goes, would never do it. Would never expose my, my family to what would go on during a campaign. Just wouldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. And it, was, it wasn't like, yeah, I appreciate it, I've thought about it, but no, wouldn't do it. And so it's my point in bringing that up is it's rare for someone um, of that caliber, like a Mark Bonavani, who is already, I mean, he could be, take your pick of, you know, whatever. I mean, for real, whatever, living wherever, enjoying, you know, retirement and doing whatever the hell it is that he wants to do in a warm beautiful locale. And he chose to sacrifice, uh, and run twice because he believed it was in the best interest of, of the, of the region. And I admire that. I don't know if I would do that. I actually, I'm pretty confident I would not do that. Um, and part of it is the thing that I was siding with my, my friend that I wouldn't want to go through that crap because you just have to constantly turn the other cheek. And the other part of it is I think I would just rather just hang out with my family and not go through that stuff, honestly. And Mark has a big family, um, you know, both uh, children and grandchildren. So I admire the fact that he was willing to sacrifice, both knowing that he hates campaigning and what would come with it, but also that he, you know, this was not a, well, if I win this, then maybe I can be governor And then if I could do that, then maybe I could become senator. And who knows? Maybe, you know, you start looking at 2028 and maybe I could make a run for the white. That's not it. It was was St. Louis County executive. That's it. That's it. You just don't hear that that often, which I kind of think speaks to what he was about. Um, Let me see what else I got here. Uh, Tim, two-parter, if you ever wanted to, here we go, two-parter, if you ever wanted to run for any political office, what office would that be? And if you did run, how much would your opponent use TMA against you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: just, just repeat clips. That would be hilarious. That
0: actually would be good entertainment. Yeah. Now maybe I will run just for that experience. I'll <laughs> move to the. I'll move back to St. Louis Hills. I'll run against Tashara Jones, and we will have TMA <laughs> clips played like all throughout the first quarter and part of the second quarter of 2021 for our entertainment.
1: We should put together an attack <laughs> ad just for the Yeah, trip. we could do our own attack ads. <laughs> Hilarious! Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, what office? I'm. I'm not. I appreciate once again another question about me running for. Office. I'm really flattered. What qualifications do I have to run for office? Honestly, uh, and what would be? You can to get, mobilize an audience. Can mobilize an audience. That that's that value. It's pretty big. That's got that's got value. Um. And I know that I don't know everything, and so I would surround myself with people who I do know things, and I would lean on them. Yep. And I'd like to think. I. I think. I think. The one thing I think I actually will give myself credit for is a judgment of character. I feel like I've been pretty good on that over the years. Uh, rarely have I been like, oh, my God, I really thought highly of this person, and this person turned out to be a complete <laughs> shitbag. Or I'm like, well, this person's a complete shitbag, and then a few years later, I go, oh, no, the person wound up being great. I'm usually pretty good on that right away. Um so uh, and if you did run, how much would your opponent use TMA against you? I'm sure it'd be used against me like crazy. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. But I don't. But but I. But it, and how'd this come up? Was this a, was this on the radio show? Oh, Iggy's thing when Iggy said he was going to run for what was he going to run for Maryland? <laughs> Maryland? Maryland? Yes.
1: I would vote for Iggy.
0: I would too. Somebody somebody pointed out. It's only when people represent themselves as one thing and then they become like the guy who was toe tapping in the stall in the Minneapolis <laughs> right. airport and he was like family values guy. It's like, I'm a creep. I make no secret of that. I've partaken in orgies. I enjoy it. I'd love to partake in another one. It'd be wonderful. Uh, I, enjoy, bunny rabbit him. I, I enjoy stag. Um, I'm not sure there is a God. I've, none of these things are real secretive. But am I electable? Am I electable in 2020 especially? It's just it's not in play. Plus, if, if you want me to run in c- the city of St. Louis, I live in the county. So it's not, not only know you're not saying that, but it's just, it's not in play. So I'm flattered that this keeps coming up, <laughs> but I just don't think it's in play. Um, Jake, not from Kirkwood, he says, you are one of the more sensible people in regards to communicating your views, but are humble enough to want to learn the other side, the other side to get a better grasp on an issue. I think you're an intriguing candidate, but we know how vicious politics can be. So I was curious if TMA would, quote, hurt your chances Love the show. We need Plowsy back to have the whole family together again. Thank you for answering my questions. Jake, not from Kirkwood. Uh, Gangster Pete and I, uh, we love what Matt Rocchio has done, but, yes, we agree. We It's someday, someday, hopefully someday, we will be together, and that's not a shot at Matt Rocchio. What's up, Plowhawk? Gangster Pete with a shout-out. Talking to the Plowhawk yesterday. <laughs> Plowhawk seems like, like, was he like riding a
1: horse this morning? I saw, I, I was scrolling through the I fan page. I saw that. I thought that might've been from his vacation. Yeah. He's, he, and sure. he looked, it almost looked like a,
0: <laughs> like it was superimposed because he truly, he has to be around 110 pounds now. Yeah. He's a little guy. <laughs> God <laughs> little almighty. Uh, well, I appreciate everything that you're saying, Jake, from Kirkwood. That's very kind of you. Um, I, yes. I mean, cause, cause as Frank Opinion said, I was saying this to somebody else uh, yesterday, I think actually. And I don't... Pete, were you in here uh, when Frank Opinion was on the podcast? Yeah. Yep, you were? Yep. Okay. I thought that was a Seymour podcast. Nope, I was there. And he said, yes, I am a big deal, but yeah. to half of 1% of the metropolitan area. And so if you were to line up 100 people along Manchester Road one half of one of those people would actually know who I am. And that one half of one person would be excited about me, but the other 99 and a half would be like, who is that man? And that is the reality of our radio shows. And I said, you're exactly right. That is it. That is it. So, so for whatever percentage it would be of the St. Louis metropolitan area, who's familiar with TMA, if that's 1% and that really might be liberal, If it's 1%, do you think that's liberal? I actually think it might be being liberal. Uh, And I know we have a nice following, don't get me wrong, but like the Rizzuto show, which I think has the biggest following, what percentage of the St. Louis area is familiar with those guys? And they have the biggest following. Yeah, it better be around
1: 1%. (laughs) I don't know it's that big.
0: Yeah. I mean, for real. Like, I mean, you line up 100 St. Louisans and five would know of Rizzuto
1: and Burton. Like in my circle, circle, nobody listens to the Rizz show. Right. But... They're, I mean they do have a substantial yeah following. absolutely it just depends so so the premise being
0: um this is what we've always said I mean I've always I've, I've predicted my death so to speak if you take you could take 20 things from today's broadcast of TMA and just put them in the newspaper with no context <laughs> and we'd all be out of a job like that yeah you know like for real it's it's, it's just the way that it is and and then it probably will happen I think the one thing that I guess would be in our favor is that more than 1% of the population knows about Doug and knows about the cat from television and maybe a handful of people remember me from TV, but they remember me with a full head of hair. Um, and so they'd be like, well, hold on. Doug Vaughn's like just this nice television anchor and Jim Hayes, I see him on the Cardinal games. He wouldn't have said that. Maybe there's something more to it. Uh, and, and I do think that people who listen to the show know that it's more like a roast, and it's not mean-spirited. It's like everybody's in on it, and it's—even when the, the cat and here are going— <laughs> I going missed it, that. Yeah, it was that great was, to have that back Yeah, I really it missed me, that. It was great to have it back. Uh, it, they really—I mean, they do, for real. I mean, you know, each one would stand in front of a bullet for the other, and hell, probably have. Uh, again, <laughs> met- metaphorically speaking. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know— I think people know that, but again, that's, that's for the 1% who listen to the show. So if you were to play clips of what I'm saying on the radio and like me, like yearning for an MFF. Yeah. I think, uh, using a mayoral race as an example, I think that would be played. I think it would be great entertainment. <laughs> it does kind of make me want to move back to the city to run, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, it absolutely 100% would be used against me because I'd be perceived or, and accused of being a misogynist um what else would i be i don't know but uh, tim mckernan does not believe in god i mean take care for whatever it is i don't know i just i'm unelectable so that's it so you just have to do the feet. uh
1: the bunny rabbit and eight mile approach yes i'm a creep yes i like porn what can you say about me i haven't already that's said I, yeah, about that's, myself that's nice rabbit you're talking yeah. about marshall mathers bunny yeah. rabbit yeah be rabbit it's be a nice rabbit. play
0: uh so jake from kirkwood that no, jake not from kirkwood uh, i appreciate it it's kind of you uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm all for. I would love to have an MFF. Trust me, I've lobbied. Uh, it's not going anywhere. I was saying to Anna Marie, on Sunday, when it really looked like I might win five hundred thousand oh, dollars, like yeah. it was real, as you know, it was real. It wasn't right. like, oh, uh, you know, I'm in three thousandth place, four holes to go, twentieth place, twentieth place. I said, let me ask you this: If we win this thing, is there any chance? And she goes, Well, what's your cut of it? And I said, Well, it'll be fifty-five thousand dollars. I mean, it's fi- you know, five hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm ten percent. And she goes, no. And I go, okay. <laughs> So at least at least I'm starting to get an idea. There's a number. There, there out is there. a number. There's that's a number. The thing. I, can find it. I can hold on to that. But apparently that's not going to get it done. Uh yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm I, I I would imagine a lot of men are stimulated by the idea of two women. I don't really apologize for that. I don't know. I don't think that's a bad thing to say. Um I don't think pornography is evil. Uh I don't go to strip clubs now. I did. I enjoyed it. I kind of look back on it now and don't know why I enjoyed it as much as I did, but I did. I'm glad I don't really go now, not because I've had some moral awakening, just because it was really negative EV as far as my bankroll. But um, yeah, I don't think I've been recently, but yeah, I did go. So there it is. Uh, And I'll I'll add the agnostic part because I know that's probably the biggest deal of it all. So I would tell you I'm unelectable, Jake, Jake not from Kirkwood. Who would be the most electable of the six people on TMA? This was not one of his questions, but I'm asking you, Gangster Pete. Uh, probably the cat. Maybe Doug. Yeah, the cat actually is an office holder, or he was. Right. I don't know if he still yeah. is. I don't know. If, he's you know. actually been elected. Yeah, so. he has been elected, so we can actually. By default, say, he'd be number one. Uh, least electable, I guess it's agreeable that it's Iggy, like Instacall, <laughs> even though we do support his campaign for mayor of Maryland Heights. His <laughs> unboxing started a minute ago. He's oh, how's got, it going? He's
1: already got 117 people That's watching. It's unbelievable.
0: And, and what, why doesn't he want to monetize
1: this? I don't know. I've don't, doesn't that to, bother you? Yeah, I've talked to him about it. I'm like, dude, it's so easy. I'll
0: help you set it up. Like, if we were to, I assure you, as you know, I mean, because you, you're kind of aware of the business model. If we were to own a media company, Iggy doing more shit, I wasn't even thinking of the unboxing things. It's just like blatantly a barstool ripoff, but whatever, <laughs> uh, would be part of the deal. You know, like Iggy having a larger role before he, you know, was uh, furloughed. The Plowhawk having a bigger role uh, was all part of the plan, you know, because these guys are characters who people love to watch. In most of the case, love to love. Some people love to hate. But whatever, either way, they love to watch. And so we give them more. So, uh, you know, Doug and the Cat can't do that stuff because of the TV thing. But those guys, man, people love it, and then I guess you have the quarter of people who just are obsessed with me and like have voodoo dolls that they stick pins in of me. So I guess I gotta get, I gotta put myself out there too, uh, so they can, you know, cheer against me. So, yeah, I agree. And like Iggy's like, oh, I wouldn't charge people for it. I'm like, okay, fine. Then don't charge people for it. Then we'll monetize it with advertising. But you have a captive audience. I heard Rockio. It's like one of the first times I ever listened to the show when I wasn't in the one day I missed yep. this week with my wisdom teeth. And you, you know, what I'm about to say.
1: I have an idea.
0: An audience is a terrible thing to yeah.
1: waste, and I'm like, look at Rakio, with yeah. the
0: enlightening observation:
1: we can mobilize a crowd like you can. Yeah, I mean, I there's mean, and there's
0: when you can't, you can't just assume that you'll always have an audience. There have been plenty of people, and I'm not even thinking of like one of the. This is this is this is going back to the 1980s with a very obscure reference for probably most of the people listening to this podcast. You may get it, Gangster Pete, but I'm going to put it at less than 50 percent. When I say the name Shelly Long, does that mean a thing to you, boy? Cheers? Yes. And Shelly Long was all the rage in, like, the <laughs> mid-'80s as the sometimes love interest, sometimes not love interest of the great Ted Danson on <laughs> Cheers. And she thought she would leave Sam Cheers, Malone. Sam Malone, and become Oh, the yes. I thing. forgot all about that. Yeah. yeah. So you know where I'm going yep. with this. Uh-huh. And, like, she did the money pit, and then <laughs> that was it, man. Yep. There's another guy. This is, this is even more obscure, but I loved this show in the the late nineties. Talk soup. Now I'm not talking about Greg Kinnear who did wind up killing it. Talking about John Henson, who then followed Greg Kinnear on talk soup. And he wanted to become, I don't know if he thought he was going to be Kinnear because Kinnear, I guess is a sharp looking guy. So he could make the move to Hollywood. But Henson was awesome. I think I liked Henson more than Greg Kinnear on that show. And I don't even know what he's doing anymore.
1: I'm looking You're up. looking.
0: I'm, I, I figured you were going IMDb. Oh,
1: okay. I remember You know that, what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, I He I, it it was so anything.
0: hilarious. And then just like fell flat. I think there have been people in radio who were part of like, I, like Jackie Jokeman on Stern's show. Yep. He like was negotiating hard and they're like, the show's really kind of Howard and Robin and Howard really kind of likes this Artie Lang guy. So we don't really need you and Fred and... And joke man left, and that was pretty much the last you heard of the joke man, you know. So you gotta you gotta understand the, the deal sometimes. And uh, Shelley Long again, dated reference, dated reference. But you you remember what I'm talking about now. That's like a that's like a cautionary tale. The one I think of is John Henson, and nobody thinks of John Henson, but uh, but that's certainly one. Uh, what is John Henson doing? Is he he's doing uh, anything? I almost am scared to ask because I feel like he might not be doing anything. Well,
1: he's been uh, producing some things. Okay, he's behind the scenes now. 2017, he hosted a baking show on Food Network.
0: He hosted a, oh, baking. And he, he was hosted a he, banking show on the Food Network.
1: In June, he was chastised by uh, the First Lady for uh, some inappropriate comments about Barron. He went after the Trump's child? I just, I'm just looking at the uh, Wikipedia. I don't that's, have all the details, that's, but that's, that's what it that's sounds brilliant, like.
0: Brilliant. <clears throat> Uh, so yes. And I don't even know how we came up on this topic, but that's just, uh, that's, that's the, uh, the lesson. All right. We've got, we've gone, it's, it's 1215 and gangster Pete sat here long enough. Uh, enjoyed questions from the audience. I wanted to come in today once my teeth were feeling okay. I'm like, there's no reason for me to miss any more time. You had the primary last night. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it on the radio show. I want to talk about it on the podcast. So I'm going to come in and do the program. And so that's what we're here doing. Thank you to the homeloneexpert.com. Thank you to James Carlton. Mark Hanna. What did you find out, Gangster Peter? you laughing.
1: <laughs> Iggy got his dildo.
0: He did. What a perfect way. Perfect way to wrap up QFTA. Right, back Iggy to the library. Got, Iggy got his Mark Hanna here, this is your live read uh, right after the Iggy dildo reset. The thing about Mark is I'm sure he's actually thrilled that his live read is being read right after the Iggy He dildo. actually might be. Yeah, no, he really would be. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the th- Sometimes I'm like, God, should I do this? And it's like all the sponsors are on board, so it's kind of like we become... You know, podcast-wise, anyway, untouchable. Terrestrial radio, we still got a color inside the (laughs) line sometimes. Podcast-wise, it's a free-for-all. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark really is a good guy, and it's been a thrill for me to see so many members of our audience actually call him and start to work with him because I know they're in good shape with somebody who is going to take great care of them. And it's truly, it is, it is the greatest regret of my twenties and part of my thirties that I did not have a financial advisor working with me. It, it crushes me to think about how many, how much I just screwed up. I mean, cause you don't get that back. Don't repeat my sins. Have somebody, and that doesn't mean it's like, oh, I don't want to be able to spend money on this or that. That's not what we're saying. You just have somebody who can help you anytime you have a decision to make, and you're going to have some money set aside. Even if it's not like, well, I'm not going to have much set aside. You have something, so you're building on that, and then that's set aside. And then you can start, okay, no, I got that set aside. So for an emergency, I have that. And now I've got this and you're building and you need to have that. I mean, how many people have been tapping into that during the last six months of the pandemic? 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Design, air, heating, and cooling. Jim Rogers, Restoration, one of Central, St. Louis. They all make the podcast possible. Thank you to Gangster Pete. And thank you to everyone for sending in their questions, opinions. You can send them in anytime. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the InsideSTL Podcast Network.
1: Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors,